batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move us. Always thought I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. This is episode four and your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff are here. I'm Jeremy and he's Jeff. Hello. How's it going, everybody? I was working solo the last two episodes. Jeff was not feeling too good. Are you, are you doing better now? Um, I'm doing better. Yes. Thank you. It's probably not COVID. Probably just age related. You think so? I think so. (laughs) Well, that or kid yeah, uh, whatever <laughs> residual from children when you got kids they bring everything home you know that's the problem uh, they do they're still going to like a some kind of after school it's it's not after school obviously but that same group is taking kids uh and help them to do their online thing that's exactly so what they're I'm not you know they're not at home doing the online exactly. thing my one son, just this week in fact my wife works for the school so it kind of helps that she can kind of you know, do some things behind the scenes, but he actually, he goes into the school and does, cause it, it was just not working for him being at home. It's, it's been tough. No, so, it's so oh, hard. Hopefully we get through this. Me, I'm perfectly comfortable to hide down in my basement. So I don't have a problem with that, but for our kids, that's a little, that's a little tougher. So hopefully we indeed through this quick. Well, this is a week uh, since before we started this, Jeff, I've been looking forward to this because I don't know what it is about 1980 but when you look at the the various years and this is how nerdy i am i'll i'll just go google you know albums from a certain year and you look through and there are some really good years but but 1980 for a, someone who's into classic rock you know the early classic metal the stuff we like 1980 was a really good year it seemed to be yeah indeed a, a really good year and i think kind of like you mentioned in the first episode, when we talk about classic rock, you know, so much of it is a nostalgia. It's a personal nostalgia thing. And for me, I think I'm a few years older. Uh, For me, 1980 was the year where I was really starting to, on my own, find my music and not just the music that was my older siblings played you know, that I was actually forming my own taste. I was in seventh grade and I was starting to kind of form my own musical opinions. And so yeah. I, I can remember a lot of this stuff. You know, some, of the, some of the other stuff I love, you know, we talked about ZZ Top LaGrange. Obviously, you and I were too young to have listened to that when it actually was on the radio. We would have been just babies or little little kids. So we've kind of gone backwards and acquired a passion for a lot of this stuff. But beginning in about 79, 80, for me, I remember actually hearing this stuff 
uh, on the radio, if it was, you know, played on the radio, some of it was never on the radio, but, but I actually remember when it came out. And so I feel uh, something about 1980 is really uh, special to me. And there's some, some great albums and I'm looking forward to, uh, to going over those with you today. I think it'll be fun. What about you? How, how old were you in 1980? I don't mean to put you on the spot. It, that's okay. Uh, I was 10. 10. Okay. So just, just under you. And I remember um, lying on the, lying in the basement, lying on the couch and my brother playing eight tracks. And then <laughs> I would mention it two weeks ago. So the Friday night video thing. Yeah. So that's where I got exposed to, to awesome. a lot of this, you know, and parents would go out for dinner or something and I'd be home. Mm-hmm. with the brother and I'd be just staying up too late, you know, Listening to music, yeah. changing the channel on the TV with the dial. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember some, a lot of, actually all of these, I remember pretty, pretty well, if not in 80, then probably 82, 83. And, and one thing that's before. funny too is, is there's some of these songs that they were just popular. I mean, this is just top 40, what you heard on the radio. Some of it. Yeah, absolutely. It, not so much. And now going back, you think, man, that was a great, that was great, a great time. There was some great music. And, and I, just as an example, I don't, I don't want to give a spoiler, but on one of my lists here, well, I'll just spoil this one album right now. One of my honor, honorable mentions, it didn't make my top 10, but one of my honorable mentions was Pat Benatar. Hey, I had that too. Did you really? Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. so Pat Benatar and, and, you know, that was just top 40 music. Okay. Absolutely. But when you go back and listen to those Pat Benatar albums, and this is just an example, we could pick other ones. You could talk about Blondie, right? You could talk about a lot of these albums. They were just really good. And that was, that was top 40. And, and I know I sound like your parents when I say this, when I say your parents, I mean the collective, our parents, right? Mm-hmm. Music today is just not the same. I'm sorry. No. No. You know, and, and, and I was thinking about this yesterday and they, they don't have a, an album that, that coincided, but like the cars, for example, the cars who were all over the radio, that was great rock, great bands, music that great we guitar were, player. Oh, just flaw, never played a bad note in his life, you know, and we were fortunate enough to hear that stuff in 1980 was just a really good year. It's a really good year. So really looking forward to this. So thank you, uh, Jeff, for getting better and coming back. I don't, I don't think people want to just hear me ramble on. So I'm glad to have Jeff back. And thank you. Thank you all for uh, listening. We've, we've gotten off to a really good start and we appreciate it. Even gotten some emails. Uh, you can always email us. In fact, I'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you uh, at classicguitarrock at mail.com. If you have any recommendations, suggestions, requests, complaints, insults, hate mail, remember the hate mail goes to Jeff. But anything along those lines, email us. We're on Twitter now. I didn't even tell you this, Jeff. We're now as of yesterday. We're on Twitter, so we're cool. We're a big deal. We're up to forty followers at at this at at press at press. Okay, (laughs) so we're up to forty followers. So find Classic Guitar Rock on Twitter and follow us. Send us mean tweets. Um, and, and uh, I'm going to be 41 right now. All right. Nice. Okay. He's going there. Woo. Okay. And I'll follow you back too. I'll follow <laughs> you back. Okay. I don't do too much, you know, I don't Twitter. either. You know, in fact, I had long this, by the way, there's a classic guitar rock YouTube channel. And a long time ago when I started that, I started a 
Twitter account at that point too. But that's literally six years ago. I hadn't done a thing. I couldn't remember my login. So I just started a new one. So there's a new, there might be an old, you know, collector's item version of the classic guitar rock Twitter somewhere. I don't even, I should look it up and follow it. See what it says. Yeah. Did you find it? I did. I, I okay, followed. Good. All right. So Jeff is the uh, nice. Okay, perfect. That makes me feel, that makes me feel good. Were we at 40 or 39? Where were we at? I might've exaggerated. Classic guitar rock. Is that, does it say how many? It says 414 followers. Oh, that's my old one. Oh, same, same icon or yeah, you know, logo. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So there's two, there's two of them. I need oh, to so follow what's that the, it, Look, look um, try classic guitar rock podcast. See if that maybe shows up different. Maybe you can merge, you know. I uh, if you I'll do look that. into that because then I'd have, you know, I'd have 10 times as many followers. 10 times yeah. power. Unlimited power. Okay, all right, good. So, all right. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for everyone checking out the podcast. And so far, everything I've heard has been positive. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, but we're okay with the negative. We're okay. Yeah. We're, we're big boys. We can handle that. So, but thank you so much. But when we come back, Jeff, we're putting you on the spot first. When we come back, Jeff is going to share his top 10 album releases of 1980. Definitely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock podcast. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. Jeremy and Jeff with you. Jeff, my brother's name is Jeff, by the way. I didn't tell you that. Hey, so it's he must really, be a good guy. It's, he's a great guy. It's really weird. He's older. So growing up, it's always been Jeff and Jeremy. And so I guess it's my ego that makes me want to say Jeremy and Jeff first. But it's super awkward for me to say Jeremy and Jeff. So you'll probably hear me say Jeff and Jeremy because all my whole life, it's always been Jeff and Jeremy. It was always Jeff first. So anyways, all right. I got lots of issues, Jeff. Okay. Now <laughs> we're going to start with I'm here Jeff for and Jeff is going to give us his countdown. Now here's what I'm going to do. You can do the same if you want. I am predicting, I'm making some predictions and, and, and Jeff and I don't, we don't really, we're getting to know each other. So it's not like we talk a lot. It's not like we've been friends for a long time. So I'm basing this just on the few conversations we've had. I am going to get, I'm making a guess. I'm putting a star next to it on my list. Cause I'm assuming we'll have some shared things on ours. I'm putting a star next to what I think will be your number one pick. Okay. And so you can do the same if you want on mine. I'm thinking so, you're, you're going to have the same as well. It, it, it might. I don't know. I think. Or one of two. One of two. Okay. Well, we'll see. Okay. So let me then, now that you say that, I'm going to guess your number two also. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say this is your one. This is your two. And let's, I'll see if, I'll see if we're right. So Jeff, right. the floor is yours. Give us your top 10 
albums of 1980. And you can give us why. Tell us why on these albums too. So yeah, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. It's, it's good to be back. Um, I'm going to start with 10, right? We're going to go down. All of these bands, we had no female representation. Wow. So for number 10, well, at least I'm, I'm my 10. Number 10, I chose Heart, Baby Lestrange. Good, good album. And it's just a great, you know, I haven't really heard it uh, in a long time. Maybe I've heard um, Down On Me, maybe somewhere. Yeah. But you listen to that album, it's, it's just killer. Is Even It Up on that album? Does that have Even It Up on it? I can't. Yes, yes. It oh. Yes, yeah, Even It Up. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ann Wilson kind of like channeling Janice a bit. Oh, phenomenal. And just great production. It's just, just a great album. Yeah. And that was her fifth studio album. And, and you know, here's something, a, a tangent. This will be the first of many tangents. But here's the thing about Hart. They, they obviously, Ann and Nancy, tremendously talented. Ann Wilson, probably my favorite female vocalist. Top two for sure, right? But their band was just tight, super tight. I think that was Rod Fisher. I can't remember everyone in the band. Denny Carmassi Car- was a drummer for them for a while. But this Howard Lease. But that album, remember the big album that came out in 85, the one just called Heart that had Alone. Kind uh, of a poppy, poppy, poppy album. Poppy. Yep. These Dreams, mm-hmm. you know, never, never, mm-hmm. you know. That album was on the charts. I was I started working in radio as that album was was on the charts. And that was one of those albums. I'd have to go back and look, but it had I mean like every song on the album, but maybe two was on the chart. It was a huge album. And yeah, that was a poppy album, still a really good album. But but Bible Strange was a really good one. And that, to be honest, I just completely missed that one. That wasn't on my radar at all. Hey, well, cool. Good catch. Great. Nice. All right. You want to go? You want me to? No, you go. I, okay, and I'll num- shut up. I'll shut up and let you go. Number nine, Michael Shanker Group, self-titled. <laughs> uh, one of the main reasons is it just brought back that, you know, the nostalgia thing we talked about. Uh, we used to just, you know, air guitar and headbang to, to <laughs> Armed and Ready. That's all you need. On that. And, you know, and then we got into the Scorpions and, UFO a little so that he has that history there and his brother the scorpions and coming off of your deep purple six degrees thing right yeah cozy powell and don airy played with michael shanker yep so i thought those, that was those a two, fun those connection two, those two have played with everyone seriously yeah those two yep. have played with almost everyone awesome um and if you don't really know that album michael shanker group the the solo in cry for the nation mm. it's just awesome yeah it's so good it's yeah. like a minute of him doing his thing, and then he he then he does like a you know an overdub or he's doubling it, mm-hmm. maybe some harmony, and it's just this the sound. He just he got it. He's got it. You know, it's great. And that's right. the one that starts with the cheesy, yeah, like yes. almost like steel drum tropical thing, and then all of a sudden there's a bomb. Yeah, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, great song. Number eight, distorted bass. Motorhead, Ace of Spades, just love. Mm. I mean, you know, we made fun of Lemmy, but <laughs> they were they were a great band. Again, Friday Night Videos. I remember seeing his <laughs> his face, his mug. Can I, just, can, can I just be completely rude here? 
dude, yeah. when you make that much money, wouldn't you have that big mole removed off your face? <laughs> wouldn't you? Uh, I think that was part of his thing. Huh? <laughs> it was part of the charm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number seven, Van Halen, women and children first. Uh, loved Van Halen from the beginning. And this was just, you know, just another one. You know, we, yeah. the Cradle Rock, everybody wants you. Everybody, everybody wants some. Take your whiskey home. Yeah. I remember that one. Good one. Six, White Snake, Ready and Willing. If no one knows that one or forgot about that one, it is fantastic. And, and along the same uh, time frame, they came out with a live album in the heart of the city. Okay. Now, I just have to say this. I keep interrupting you. I completely forgot. I was thinking Ready and Willing was the following year. I thought the only album they had in 80 was the live album. And I, in my mind, was saying, well, I'm not going to do a live album, but, but that's a really good call that, again, that I... I think so. I mean, yeah. should I double check just in no, case? No, no, oh, no, no, that's fine. I'm not... I, I just wasn't thinking that... that uh, no, it's fine. However, David Coverdale's voice. If we man. go back and find out that it didn't come out in 1980, <laughs> you'll have to be terminated, Jeff. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> you know, you, you start to go down the Google rabbit hole and, and, and your, your mind. It's not, it's not right sometimes. You can't always trust the internet. It's true. That's yeah. true. Number five, Dio's first Black Sabbath adventure, Heaven and Hell. Mm. Number four, Iron Maiden debut album, pre Bruce Dickinson, Paul Diano. Yeah. Phantom of the Opera, seven minutes and 21 seconds yeah. with just amazing riffs. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard of um, Umphreys McGee. No, I haven't. They kind of get lumped into the jam band uh, arena a bit, but they're, they're far from that. And they've got songs on there for sure influenced by Iron Maiden, among others. Right. Just those riffs, you know, that like the harmony, the couple solos that go on and yeah yeah uh number three judas priest british steel again guitar all day in high school (laughs) living after midnight breaking the law we had a bit of a band going and we played those we tried to play those songs in the band nostalgia for me is is grinder is grinder on british steel or is that on hellbent for leather do you remember? Uh, I, think I didn't it mean is. to put you on the spot. I'm not. I, okay. I, I think Grinder is on there, and and I only bring that up because that is the very first song I learned to play. I think is that right? British Steel Grinder. It it is on there. It is yeah. on there. Yes. The very first song I learned to play. Uh, so yeah. Okay. That's a good. Uh, that could be something we do. You know, totally. for people who play guitar, yeah, like absolutely. what what are the top three songs you learn to play? Or yeah. first, just a top song you learn to play. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I'm, I'm making a note of that right now. I think mine was Paranoid. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Okay. Um, number two, Blizzard of Oz. <sighs> okay. All right. For a now debut I, album. I know I got, I got <laughs> one of my guesses right. I got one of my guesses right. And I think I'm going to be right on the next one. We'll see. I mean, Back Black, number one. Okay. ACDC. You didn't pick that one. I did. No, I didn't. I, I No, that's and not from, what I from Number one for me. That's not what I picked for your number one. I'm very, I'm actually very surprised. And, and I must say somewhat disappointed that you did not <laughs> have the number. <laughs> the number. <laughs> no, that's great. So let me, let me, and we'll, we'll come back and, talk about some of these on, on mine too, but 
Uh, first, let me say, I think about seven or eight of ours are the same, just in different orders. But yeah. there, are, there are some surprises. I'm very surprised. Now, I'm not surprised what you picked for, for your number one at all. But I'm surprised that the one I guessed, I guessed you would say Blizzard of Oz was number two. So I got that right, but I was wrong on what I thought would be your number one. So, oh no, um, you got me really curious. I know it's crazy. So when we come I've back, I got some good honorable mentions. Oh, 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 forgot about that. Yeah, let's hear your honorable mentions. Absolutely, I'll go through them quick. Saxon, Wheels of Steel, oh, great one. Uh, Scream Dream, Ted Nugent. Oh, see, completely Wango, missed Wango that Tango. One. Completely missed that one. How did I miss that one? Okay, all right, great one. I don't really, I wouldn't consider Rush classic rock, but we have to mention Permanent Waves. Okay. See. Great album. But I, th- I, I thought that was going to be your number one. Okay. Because I consider them classic rock. I personally. And that's what yeah. I knew you were a Rush fan. And so that's what I thought would be your number one. But it's, at least it made your honorable mentions. I had a Thin Lizzy album on there, Chinatown, which is Chinatown. actually a pretty good album. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised at how many I've missed because I did just off my head, you know, I, I, I could come up with 10 albums, but then I did a little digging to see, am I missing something huge? And I realized, Oh, I am. But even though like the Ted Nugent, I missed the heart I missed and the Thin Lizzy I missed. So I need a new internet. Something's wrong. So, okay. <laughs> the new Google, the new Google. Okay. Awesome. So when we come back, We'll look at my list and we can pick that apart. So stand by. All right. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar. Uh, what's the name of the show? Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. <laughs> I'm Jeremy. CGR. CGR. It's the CGR podcast. And uh, Jeff just gave his list, which is a great list. And ours are very close. uh, uh, Very close. Uh, The orders are changed a little bit. So here's my, and and I want to kind of dig in and talk about some of these albums as, as especially the ones that we both talked about uh, as we go through them. Okay. My number 10, I have Iron Maiden. Okay. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden is my number 10. Um, I really, and I, I kind of look at Iron Maiden kind of like I look at Van Halen, right? It's almost two different bands, both good. Okay. I like the Paul Diano years. I like the Bruce Dickinson years, but, but it's, they're different enough that I almost treat them as two different bands. And you don't hear this often and tell me I'm crazy, but I really kind of hear some punk in the first Iron Maiden album. You know, it's got the riffs, it's got the harmonized stuff, it's got, you know, good guitar playing instead of what most punk stuff was. But there's definitely a kind of a punk energy to that first album that I hear. And kind of in the way that Paul Diano, and Paul Diano was a punk, right? And you kind of hear some of that. But it's, you mentioned Phantom of the Opera, uh, Running Free, isn't Running Free on that first one too? Running Free. Yes, it is. Great albums and of course it was it was this album that caused my mom great concern when she sees that you know she sees this album cover she sees the killers album cover she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. but yeah great album great album now here's one i might get some flack for this and 
and here's the thing. This is subjective, right? Uh, that nostalgia we've talked about. Our lists, someone could make the case, well, that's not classic rock. But to me, these are all albums that, that, that I kind of are, were just real important to me, that I played a lot, that just were a big part of my life. Uh, but for num- number nine, I have Loverboy. <laughs> the first Loverboy <laughs> album, you know? I had that uh, somewhere on on my lists. It yeah. just didn't make the, and, the and top And the thing 10. is, is it po- yeah, it's pop. It's pure pop. But it's so good. And Paul Dean doesn't get the respect. He was a great – he's he's a, got a real – muscular style and what i mean by that is you can tell he he bends the strings a lot he's just he's uh and he was quite a he was quite a few years older than the other guys too and so he kind of brought a a different vibe but i just like it you know the vocals are great the background they're catchy and i'm a sucker for good pop songs you know and i just i I really like that album and i played it a lot uh so i have lover boy in there we Number, still respect you. Yeah, okay, good, good. Okay, all right. It might get worse from here. Number <laughs> eight, <clears throat> I have Van Halen, Women and Children First, okay? Okay. And what I love about this album, I'm sure you know this, but a lot of people don't know, that everyone thinks that 1984 was the first album that Edward played keyboards on. But actually, this is the first album that Edward played keyboards on because – and the Cradle Will Rock is a Wurlitzer electric piano through a Marshall Plexi. I mean, that's how he got that sound. It's a piano. Dun, 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 you know, uh, so that's just kind of a neat, a neat little aside. This is the first Van Halen album that did not have any covers on it. Okay. The first mm. two, if you think about it, there were several covers on the first two, but it's a really good album. You got And the Cradle Will Rock. Could this be magic? That's on this one, right? Isn't it? Yeah, and that's a the mellow goofy. Yeah, one. yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, which I did not know. This features Nicolette Larson on the uh, uh, backup vocals, singing on the vocals. Yeah, kind of funny. So hey. that's my number eight. Number seven, Def Leppard, on through the night. This was their debut album, and this is pre yes. Mutt Lang. So high and dry, Mutt Lang comes in, and 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 that changed things a lot. But I never really thought about it and, until I, I was actually listening to it the other day. Uh, this was produced by Tom Allum, who produced a lot of Judas Priest stuff. Huh. And, and you hear it, uh, particularly in a song like Hello America, which is kind of a poppy song. But the guitar sounds, if you listen really close, sounds like it could have come off a Judas Priest album, just the way it sounds. And that's what I love about listening to these albums is you realize you see these thumbprints of producers on these albums and you, and you realize, Oh, that's a Ted Templeman album. You know, that's a, a Mutt Lang album. And we'll see that come up on more and more episodes as we talk about more and more albums, but Def right. Leppard on through the night. That was on my list. Was it really? I mean, that, uh, potential. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. That and was then, on my know. radar. Good. Now yep. I had at number six, and I think you had this at maybe number three or four, Heaven and Hell, Ronnie mm. Dio's first appearance with Black Sabbath. Again, one of those bands that they're different enough with Ronnie versus with Ozzy that I almost treat them as two different. I, I, I don't like to do, though, Ozzy's better than Ronnie or Ronnie's better than Ozzy or Sammy's better than Dave or Dave's better. I don't like to do that. So in my mind, it's easier to compartmentalize 
they're two great but different bands is kind of the way I look at it. Sure. Uh, what did I? Oh, number five, Michael Shanker Group. That's where my Michael Shanker Group came in. Is number five. okay? Yeah, and yeah. I, I I love I I just love that album. Um, it's got a lot of tracks, doesn't it? There's a lot of tracks and 16 or something. Yeah. It's a lot of tracks and there's the into the arena is the instrumental on that one, right? Yeah. Into the arena. Uh, you mentioned uh cry for the nations. I love that song. And you talked about that. So that's one of my all time favorite solos of his and Gary Barden has a unique voice. Mm. I, I don't want to say he's a great singer, but he's kind of like Ozzy in that it's a you you hear it and you automatically know it's him, and and I just really like I, I really like that album. It's a good album. My number four is British Steel, Judas Priest, British Steel, and uh, okay for the you know it's just a, a good album. Living After Midnight, Breaking the Law. Uh, I mentioned I learned Grinder first song I, I learned was Grinder. I, I saved up money and bought a tab book after mm. I learned Grinder. Actually, I went and bought a tab book at the music store of British steel. And uh, it was pretty cool, you know, cause then I went through and I, I told you, I learned the whole British steel album. I kind of cheated. That's how I learned it. I had this tab book. So I went back and learned all it, learned to play breaking the law and everything. And, uh, I had a good friend of mine who would get, um, I don't know if it was guitar player or mm-hmm. probably magazine. Yeah. And when he, every time he got a new, uh, the new month's subscription, he would call me up. I learned it. Yeah. He's like, Oh, this isn't here. This is that song's in here. And he would start playing it. And I was, you know, I was like, yeah, we could play guitar. We just, yeah, just, totally. just retab. I bet you that was guitar for the practicing musician. I bet was the magazine because when they came out their guitar player and, and guitar world had been around for a while, but it wasn't until this guitar for the practicing musician came out where they would put their deal was they put a bunch of tabs in. I learned to play spirit of radio from guitar for the practicing uh, musician. I learned to play dust in the wind. I learned to play lots of D you know, Randy Rhodes D I learned to play that from guitar because of the tabs that they'd put in there. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great memory. That's cool. What, what am I at? Number three, I have back in black at number three. Okay. And think about this, Jeff. Okay. Bon Scott died, I think, at the end of January of 1980. Yeah, same year. Okay. By the, like, the middle of April, end of April, two months, within two months, they had Brian Johnson on board. And I think this album came out in August. Unbelievable. Think, Think about that. So tell me about another band that could lose their lead singer, uh, get a new lead singer, produce an album. And then, Oh, by the way, that album becomes the second highest selling rock album ever. Or second highest ever. Uh, uh, Maybe highest ever. I know behind thriller. It's behind thriller for rock albums, but as far as hard rock, the, 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 for sure, the biggest selling album ever. It's like, Every song. It's like 29 times platinum or something, which is like 60, 70 million. It's ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. Every song. And and to think to get another singer, another vocalist with that crazy, raspy, scratchy kind of style, right? I mean, it's like... Fascinating thing, Jeff, is, and we, I already talked about, you know, the Ozzy versus Dio, the, you know, Sammy versus Dave. 
you don't hear that with ACDC so much. Some people, oh, it's only Scott Bond Scott. I mean, Brian's been the guy since 1980. How, what is that, 40 years? He's been the guy since 19, you know, Bond was in the band, what, eight years? Whatever. But yeah. my point is, I'll watch a concert with Brian, and he'll sing the Bond stuff, and I don't even notice till afterwards. I go, wait, that's a Bond song. And it doesn't even, because he's, he is so much the voice of ACDC that when he sings TNT or Highway to Hell, it seems like he's supposed to be the one singing it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Do you and think I, it's just because of the longevity, you know, the length of time? I think that's a lot of it. I think that, you know, you think of ACDC has this signature sound, right? It's the Young Brothers, and there are two voices that work with it, and it's fine whether it's Brian or Bond. I, I think that's what it is, you know, and it's just like, then you realize, wait, wait a minute, he's singing TNT and it sounds right, even though he's not the one that's saying it. So it's, it's the weirdest thing. Plus, I just really like Brian Johnson. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the interview show he does on, on whatever channel that is. He like goes around and interviews people. It's really cool. He's just a cool guy. No, um, I, I think I saw him on Howard Stern, maybe could it could be, but I saw recently, and he's definitely I saw a cool, cool guy. Go to this show. I think it's on what's it called? Axis, AX Axis, that Axis channel. I saw a show where he was interviewing Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits, and it was awesome. It's just an interview <laughs> show, but he's just a very approachable, real, normal guy. Sammy Hagar's that way too. Sammy's got his interview show too, and he's kind of the same way. He can talk to anyone, interview anyone, and it's it's kind of cool. And he's okay. friends with Bob Weir from the yeah. dead. Who would think? Yeah. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. My number two was the one that should have been your number one, Jeff. It was permanent waves. Yeah. That's my number two. Um, I mean, I do appreciate Rush so much. I just, you know, it's that I always think they're, they're a different, you're, you're prog, kind of, not even prog rock. I don't know how it's more sophisticated to me. Are you a fan of the, what I call the bathrobe era? You know, the, the 2112, the Farewell to Kings, the Hemispheres. Is that your era of Rush or do you like the later stuff or which era do you like? I mean, I'm not as big a fan as you. So okay. I don't know. I guess the, I got into them with Tom Sawyer days. Okay, so moving, moving pictures. pictures that yeah, that's, that's all awesome. That's, that's, there's what I call the, bath, the bathrobe era. Why, why the bathrobe era? they wore bathrobes. Okay, that's where they're wearing the kimonos. And, oh, right. Uh, okay. They were, and, and a funny story. 1981. Were, so one more year later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in 80, yeah. Moving pictures was 81, right? So, so permanent waves is the end of the bathrobe era. Okay. So, so bathrobe era started really like caress of steel. So 75, 76, 77. And if you see videos from around even hemispheres, I think they're still wearing the bathrobes. So one of the, I think it was Uriah Heap was opening for rush and so what they did is they started stapling they'd they'd, they'd staple a set of slippers up in front of right next to alex's pedal board and getty's pedal board so like bathroom slippers to go with their bathrobes so they'd go out to play and like the roadies had nailed down these bathroom slippers next to each of their pedal boards i thought that was hilarious right at home that's uh, awesome but Permanent Waves is the album where they really made a break from the long, epic, you know, Cygnus X1 and 2112 and 
Xanadu and all those long epic pieces. They had one, you know, that natural science song is pretty long, but everything else pretty short, pretty radio friendly. Uh, some Rush fans didn't like it at first, but over time it's, it's really held up and it's, it's, it's a really good album. And I, I love it. That's my number two album for 1980. My number one okay. is Blizzard of Oz. I think in terms of impact and influence and, and, and sh- the sheer number of times I listened to it, that would have to be my number one. I played the crap out of that record. Do you think I, in your world, that, was that more popular than Back in Black at that time anyway? In, in my world, yes. Okay, now at the I think time, probably in my world too, probably yeah. because we all wanted to be Randy Rhodes. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I was. think if you look back now, looking backwards, you've got to say Back in Black obviously was the, was the bigger album. But for me personally, yeah, the, that album, the Blizzard Vaz was a huge album. I mean, it was, I, I can remember my uh, ninth and 10th grade. I mean, I literally would listen to that whole album every day, probably for a two year period. I probably listened to that whole album every day. And that was crazy. Diary of a Madman, which followed, was a, a great one too. But but for me, it was Blizzard of Oz. You know, that was just a huge album. Here's my honorable mentions. Oh, yes. I have Pat Benatar, Crimes of Passion, as one of mine. So there's my, there's my female representation mm-hmm. there. Pat Benatar, one of my favorite singers, again, with a phenomenal band. Her band, Neil Gerardo, her husband, uh, he's the guy that played for Rick Springfield, you know, Jesse's girl. I mean, that's, that's him. Right. Uh, but that album and, and even the, in the heat of the night album before this are just really good. And the guitar playing is just super tasty and, and the drums are, they're just great, great albums. So I have Pat Benatar crimes of passion. Also uh, Scorpion's animal magnetism is an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. That's a good album. That was in my also potential. Yeah, that's a good one. Here's one, U2 Boy. This is one I went backwards for because in 1980, I was not aware of U2. Me but later in 83 and 84, when I started hearing them on uh, MTV and the Under the Blood Red Sky, that all came out. I went back and got, you know, War and October and Boy and all these albums. And this is a good album. Um, and that's why it's, it's an honorable mention for me. But that's my list. It's a good list. Yeah. Good. And there was, there was other great albums too, which I was oscillating on as far as like soft rock so versus me, classic yeah, rock. I, I have a few of those that I did not include. And so I'd be interested to hear some of the, some of the, the near misses. The, uh, the Eagles, the long run. <sighs> Which you know had um, in uh, in, in the, the city, city. yeah, right. Remember the Warriors? Remember oh. that movie? That's the name. Uh, it had uh, those shoes those with shoes. the with the throat with the um, oh, the voice box, box, you know, on the guitar talk box. Yeah, yeah, Jim that Walsh. is a great album. Sad Cafe. I can't tell you why there was. I mean, they had ran the gamut on that album. That's why it was such a great album. There was the hard rock tunes and the ballads, and yeah. that's a really good album. And again. I just, I didn't even see that. That wasn't even on my radar. Two, any other? Uh, here's one that I, 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 I kind of felt bad for not mentioning it somewhere, but I just, I couldn't fit that many, you know. Uh, Queen's The Game. Yeah. Pretty good album, you know. Is it their best? Probably not their best, but but again, that was a, 
a pretty big album. Uh, how about Journey Departure? I had that one. Another good album. Soft rock. Uh, yeah, but, you know. Like Neil Sean, you know. Yeah, it's good. And what else? Is there anything else? The, the Stones had Emotional Rescue, which is a pretty good, it wasn't a fantastic yeah, album, but it was a good album. album. And, and really what we're talking about is we just ran out of space. But, and that's the problem with 1980 right? Is there are so many good albums yeah. that came out that year, but we had to, we had to draw the line somewhere. I didn't have, you mentioned Saxon, which I should have mentioned Saxon too, at least as an honorable mention, because they're an important, they're an important band too. I don't really know what happened to them. I should have done a little more research on them, but you know, I don't know they, if they just kind of still, faded away or what? still around. They still put out albums. They have jillions of albums. But unbelievable. Not, not well, and that's the thing. I kind of talked about it in the last episode. Is most of these classic bands, they've got their old fans because they don't get airplay anywhere. You know, no one plays them, sadly. Uh, and so they've got to kind of reach out and tap into the market and be creative. You know, they're they're still White Snake is still putting out albums. You know, so yeah, it's it's tough. Oh, and you're ready and willing. The White Snake, ready and willing. Uh, I mean, that completely—that's a great album, and I completely spaced that. So we we had the advantage. Again, we'll sound like old people when we say this. We had the advantage of coming of age musically in a really good time. I mean, there was a lot of great music, and seventy-nine, eighty, eighty-one, eighty-two, eighty-three. I mean, there's tons of great music that's coming uh, out. Uh, around that time frame and 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 obviously we're partial to that but but there really was a lot of good music that people look back at now and and call classics you know or, and that sort of thing i think before i started looking into this i you know i think the, the 80s i'm thinking oh hair metal mm -hmm. that kind of glammy kind of thing because mtv mm -hmm. and i was like eh but really like you said there was a lot I mean, there was Bob Seger and Bruce Springsteen were blowing up then. Yeah. Yeah. If we were to broaden a little bit, Bruce Springsteen, the river, you know, if you want mm -hmm. to get, some people might consider that class. Again, it's these floating definitions, right? Uh, but some huge albums all, all around that yeah. year. I, I forgot I had on here. CCR released a live album. Really? That was recorded in 1970, was released in 80, hmm. called The Concert. Really? And I believe it was um, released with misinformation about where it was recorded. Wow. <laughs> it was recorded in Oakland, California. But I love CCR. So. I, I, I do you know. too. And I saw them. Here's my brush with fame. Ready? So yeah. in 2000, no, no, no. In 95, I was working at the Oldies station here in Spokane, Oldies 101.1. And I don't know if you remember Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Do you remember when they did that? They, I kind was, of do. It was, it was CCR without John Fogarty is what it was. Huh. So they brought in this guy who, interestingly enough, looked exactly like Brian Johnson and wore a hat like Brian Johnson. But he sang just like John Fogarty. And guess huh. who the guitar player was in Creedence Clearwater Revisited? It was Elliot Easton of The Cars. What? It was the coolest thing ever. So I go to Sandpoint, Idaho. I'm working at the oldie station. And they say, Jeremy, do you want to go up and MC the concert in Sandpoint? Uh, Sandpoint's up the road about an hour and a half from, from Spokane, a little town. 
and Creedence Clearwater Revisited was playing there. And I'm like, absolutely. So I got to meet uh, Stu Clifford, uh, the bass player, and Doug Cosmo, whatever, the drummer, Cosmo, what, what, D- Stu, yeah, I can't even remember their names, but Stu and Doug I got to meet. And I met Elliot Easton, who was the guitar player, which was like this, because he was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, so it was awesome. And they, they sounded really good. But CCR, we could do a whole episode on CCR. We should, because the whole, a lot of drama, a lot of history. A lot there, of brother drama. A lot of brother drama. But I would love to talk about CCR. in the. I think that'd be great. He's one of those, you know, one of those vocalists. Oh, Just- just amazingly unique, right? Like you hear him exactly. one second, half a second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's so funny that he had such a, you know, CCR ended what effectively in like 72. And then it wasn't till about 82 or 83. Remember when he, when he resurfaced with the old man is down the road and all of a sudden John Fogarty's back and it was like, he was huge. Yeah. Uh, and he still sounded like John Fogarty and it was, it was awesome. So yeah, no, they're, they're one of my favorites too. I'd love to talk about them down the road. I'm sure we will. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that was fun. I think it was fun. I think we've, uh, we've done our damage for the day, Jeff, I appreciate you coming and we appreciate everyone listening. And, and by now you'll be happy to know that, that we're, we're on uh, anchor we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on iHeartRadio. We're basically on all the major platforms. That happened quick. Last time I started a podcast, it took a lot longer. So, so you can find us just about anywhere. So make sure you listen, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe and you share. And uh, you can always email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. See you, Jeff. Keep rocking. Have a good one. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. <laughs>